You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. I'd like to welcome Gilad Cohen into the studio. We're going to be chatting about the Legal Practice Council, which came into effect last week on the 1st of November. Uh, this is a massive um, industry change. It's the legal fraternity that um, has has had some major changes instituted. This is the first massive change since the mid to, to late 1970s in terms of the way the legal fraternity operates. And it's something that hasn't really been in the media. I would have expected far more roadshows by the, the respective law societies, um, by the respective bar councils, etc., but I, it wasn't really there, and I thought it was very important for you, our listeners, to understand that there have been some fundamental changes that have taken place. So with that in mind, we've invited practicing attorney Gilad Cohen into studio today. Gilad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Chad. Gilad, you're a practicing attorney. You obviously were a member of the Law Society of the Northern Provinces. What's now changed for you as an attorney as of last week, 31 October, 1st November? A whole bunch has changed. Uh, it's a little confusing still at the moment because... Uh, yeah, this act has actually been in the pipeline since 2001, and there were various reasons for delays. They finally got it through after a lot of consultation with the Bar Council and the law societies to make sure that law professionals uh, were properly looked after in the act. But yeah, essentially what happens now is our law societies are being uh, dissolved. We are now under the... Uh, regulation of the Legal Practice Council, and the same goes for advocates who were previously regulated by the Bar Council. They also now fall under the regulation of the Legal Practice Council. Now, this is this is this is big news, Gilad. For me, as an investigator that deals with attorneys and whose attorneys then brief advocates, this is huge news. Um, South Africa, we've always looked at an attorney and a lawyer being the same as a solicitor in the UK. We've looked at an advocate having the same as a being, being a barrister in, in in the UK. But things have things are now different. Uh, you're now telling me that an advocate is registered with the same association as that of an attorney. Does this mean an advocate is going to be able to be instructed directly? by clients and therefore cut out attorneys uh yeah i i'm not sure how delighted about it advocates or attorneys are but it's something we're going to have to get used to um the new act the legal practice act does make provision for advocates being able to consult directly with the public and therefore not having to go to an attorney as a first port of call they will be called fidelity fidelity fund advocates and they'll operate trust accounts and be able to consult directly with the public. Uh, it mainly helps young, new advocates who haven't yet built up relationships with attorneys because a lot of them are struggling to get work. And, you know, you'll bump into them at court and they'll say, can you please brief me? Uh, now they have the opportunity to market themselves and to get their own clients so help me to understand this. Previously, if I needed an advocate to represent me in a serious matter and who was queued up in that particular sector of law, my attorney would have to go out, find the correct advocate and brief them on my behalf. What you are now saying is if I am able to find the correct advocate and he's a fidelity fund advocate, in other words, he's had a fidelity fund registered, I'll be able to pay him direct and he'll be able to represent me directly. That's pretty much what's happening Surely this has upset the legal fraternity. Uh, yeah, look, it has upset the it has upset a lot of attorneys. Uh, certain work is still reserved for attorneys, such as notary work and conveyancing. 
that war will not be able to be carried out by advocates. On the same token, though, they can they can apply to courts and tra- transfer or to be taken off the role of advocates and placed onto the role of attorneys and take all the professional exams to be a notary or a conveyancer. Um, yeah, it has upset the apple carts. It's very confusing. Uh, the stuff it kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. I think most attorneys and advocates aren't ready for it and haven't really become familiar with the act. Uh, I think the the biggest thing attorneys have been worried about is what to wear in court. I believe so. Now, that was suspended last week because people are unaware what they're going to have to wear in court, etc. And this seems like a very minor issue compared to the fact that people now have to register with fidelity funds, they have to have trust accounts, you can now pay advocates direct. But the biggest problem experienced by attorneys last week as um, intimated by a judicial officer or a presiding officer was the fact that people didn't know what to wear to his court. Tell us more about that. Yeah, it's kind of sad that that's the – it's really sad that that's the biggest thing that was concerning attorneys. Um, in the greater scheme of things, I mean, we've had a massive upheaval here. We are no longer regulated by the body that has regulated attorneys for about the past 60 or 70 years. And, you know, people are going about their day-to-day business and trying to run their practices. And this thing has kind of felt uh, like it's come out of nowhere but on the same token, that has been getting dealt with by, by the bodies that represent us, and we're just going to have to get used to it. Um, yeah, robing in courts, uh, that will not be implemented right away. Uh, attorneys are going to have to wear bibs in the magistrate's court, which is a new thing, and advocates are going to have to wear robes in the magistrate's court. But the truth is it might get scrapped. Um, and, yeah, most of this act, even though it's come into effect, actually hasn't been – it's not in effect yet. I, I think it's difficult for me to say, but maybe 90% of it's not in application yet. Gilad, this is a bizarre scenario because for 17 years people have known this is going to happen. Um, it's, there's been talks of it. Now it's happened. 31st of October was the end of law societies. It was the introduction of the – um, legal Practice Council, and from the 1st of November, all of this changed. We've heard now that advocates can now take instructions direct from the public. Has anything happened to attorneys to elevate the status of attorneys in terms of this, the, these new acts and regulations? Um, no, I can't really think of any benefits whatsoever for attorneys. Uh, I mean, essentially, what's the purpose behind the act? The act is, okay, this act was... Um, introduced by the Minister of Justice and Constitutional Development in 2001. And the aim of it is to make the profession more inclusive demographically and to make justice more accessible to the average South African. So what it really means is it, it means government regulation. So, for example, the Legal Practice Council is a government body. We used to be regulated independently we are that's no longer the case we now have to answer to the legal practice council and the legal practice council has to answer to the minister of justice and constitutional development who's actually got the power to dissolve the legal practice council if he feels that they aren't achieving their purpose of transformation and making fees more uh, affordable 
Gilad, I'm going to take a quick break, and I want to chat to you while we're taking the break about the impact on the public. When we come back, I think it's very necessary for the public to know their rights and how they're now going to be able to find out whether or not they're dealing with the right practitioner and what it is they should be doing to protect their rights. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, I'm chatting to attorney Gilad Cohen, and we're chatting about the Legal Practice Council, which came into effect last week. I've spoken to many journalists. I've spoken to many members of the public as well as clients, and I said, do you know that there's been a massive change within the legal fraternity in South Africa? A lot of them have been very unaware of it. Um, for me, I blame the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development. I also blame the respective law societies. I know that law society um, of South Africa and some of the provincial have had roadshows, etc. But the public at large are unaware of these fundamental changes that impact directly on them. Gilad, let's talk about those changes that impact on the public. What would you say is the most important impact that the public will suffer, or not suffer, but will realize as a result of these changes? Okay, if anything, these changes are aimed at the public, and they, in theory, should be very beneficial for them. And they will probably make uh, our lives a little bit more difficult as attorneys. Um, I'd say that the majority of attorneys are very honorable people. Obviously, you get your few uh, rotten apples, and that's why it's important to have a body that regulates us. But I do think the Law Society have been doing a sterling job until now. So it comes as this, this whole act comes as a bit of a surprise to us. Which is surprising in itself, because as you said, it's been in the pipeline for 17 years. Um, in any event, I think the Law Society and the Bar Council have consulted with the with the powers that be, and the Act looks after us. And okay, so what are the benefits for the public? One of the benefits will be that there's going to be a legal ombudsman, which is quite interesting because. I don't know. I don't know if things are as clear cut as, for example, insurance, where you're not getting paid out, or the motor industry ombudsman, where a car has been repaired and it's not working. I think law is a little bit less black and white, uh, which sounds ironic. But um, yeah, so you'll have an ombudsman. They'll be in charge of the legal sector, even though the act's in force yet. The ombudsman, that part of the act has not been enacted. It's not. That's not enforced. Do we know when there's going to be an ombudsman appointed? Um, most likely, probably within the ne- in the next two years. I think that I think there's been a general timeline given. Like you've got two years to go and sort out a whole bunch of things, and I think that's one of the things that's going to be decided on. So I need to ask you this: Is this act? Um, it's obviously not retrospective. It's been given two years in which to play catch-up with regards to the appointment of the ombudsman, um, having advocates now register fidelity funds, etc. But what happens now if I have a complaint against an attorney or an advocate? What procedures am I going to follow? Am I going to st- follow the procedures that were in the old Act, and are those procedures still valid? It's a good question. At the moment, I'm not 100% myself. I can probably go onto the Law Society's website and there'll be news happening like daily. Um, I can tell you under the old act, you would lodge a complaint with your provincial law society that that attorney was regulated by and a committee would be appointed to hear the complaint and they would 
decide whether the attorney was guilty of misconduct or not. Under the new Act, disciplinary hearings will be held by the Legal Practice Council. They'll set up committees. And again, this isn't yet in force. A committee must um, consist of three people. Uh, It can either be two advocates or two attorneys, depending on who is being disciplined. But one interesting provision is that it makes uh, one space available on that committee for a layperson. So you're actually going to have a member of the public who will sit in and represent the public and decide on what they think is fair or not. Sort of like a jury system. So this this act protects the public. It gives them a it gives them a gives them quite a bit of power, and it gives them a voice on the actual of uh, during the process. Yeah, it gives them a voice. It makes them feel like the legal profession is serving them. And yes, often often people feel as though they're being exploited, and legal fees are too high. You see some pretty bad articles in the news about the public being taken for a ride. That's not the general rule. That's the exception, and it's unfortunate. But, yeah, the the new act will pretty much carry on doing what the old one was doing. That's, you know, I don't think anything's really going to change from from a disciplinary point of view. Uh, Other things that are interesting is that um, uh, I'm sure that we all know of attorneys in the news that have stolen money from individuals. The Attorney's Fidelity Fund is a body that is in place to basically cover losses that members of the public have suffered as a result of theft of trust funds by attorneys or by their staff. So now the Attorney's Fidelity Fund will be known as the Legal Practitioner's Fidelity Fund, and it will apply to theft of trust funds by advocates and by attorneys. So, again, that's a... It's a new thing, but it's an old thing. Um, uh, this is quite an important one. Um, again, actually, this doesn't change anything. No person other than a legal practitioner is allowed to charge fees for legal services. Nor may a person other than a legal practitioner give the impression to the public that they are a legal practitioner Doing so is an offense. So now we're going into the, the gray area where people that may have had a law degree, maybe a paralegal, but have not been admitted, call themselves legal consultants and basically bamboozle the public into appointing them on matters which they shouldn't have jurisdiction in. Correct. And that's extremely counterproductive. And uh, frankly, they don't know what they're doing. And they'll come on board and start writing letters to you. And Help me to understand the difference between an attorney and an advocate, how somebody becomes an attorney, how somebody becomes an advocate, and what kind of education they require to get to that point. Because I know that to be a notary public or to be a conveyancer is a different um, paper that has to be written once somebody's admitted. But how does one get to the point of becoming an attorney and how does one get to the point of becoming an advocate? Do they study the same things and do they do the same job? Okay, so the foundation is the same. Both of them will start out by doing an LLB. Um, once they finish their degree and they've graduated, that's where you have a fork in the road. The majority of LLB graduates will choose to be attorneys. I think I've got some statistics over here. At the moment, you've got in the country 
26,700 attorneys and you've got 5,500 advocates. So quite a disparity, quite a big difference in numbers. Massive gap. Massive gap. Yeah, so the majority of people will become attorneys. To become an attorney, you have to serve articles at a law firm, and that's generally two years. Um, to be an advocate, there was tutelage. Is that still there? Yeah, to be an advocate, you need to do pupillage, and you need to write your apologies. You need to write your bar exams. So actually, the so to become an attorney, you do your two years of articles, and you write four board exams. And to become an advocate, you do one year of pupillage, for which you don't get paid. It's a pretty rough period for budding advocates. And you have to write your bar exams. But the status of having advocates, I'm sure, drew a lot of people because it was a, a titled position. It was the same as being a doctor. You were called advocate. But it wasn't as easy as a lot of advocates thought it would be because they weren't getting instructions directly from attorneys because they were never, ever in a position to create relationships. Do you think this is one of the reasons for this fundamental shift and the reason why this act has been implemented? Yes, I, I do know for a fact that the... The aim of the act's transformation and to make the profession more representative demographically. Um, from my personal experience, I've heard a lot of complaints from young black advocates that they are qualified, but they're not getting any briefs from, from attorneys. So uh, they're sitting without work, basically. And what this new, what this new law does is it allows them to get a fidelity fund certificate and to not rely on past relationships with attorneys' firms to give them instructions. Uh, you know, there's also strict rules about advertising, so they can't really go out and ask firms to send work to them. It's got to be sent to them. Now they've got the option of going directly to the public, advertising, hey, look, I'm an advocate with the fidelity fund certificate and I can provide you with services the same way that an attorney, that an attorney can. Very fascinating. When we come back for our lasting, our, our closing moment with Gilad, I want to chat about where an advocate or attorney can advertise. What is an ambulance chaser? Why is touting not allowed? And what is the way forward? You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. I'm back with attorney Gilad Cohen. We're chatting about the, the recently formed Legal Practice Council, which has had a huge impact on the legal fraternity. Before we went to break, I said I want to discuss the fact that advocates can't advertise, attorneys can advertise, when can attorneys advertise, what is ambulance chasing, what is touting, and what is acceptable advertising in the industry? Well, there's a very fine line. Um, you know, what amounts to touting, what amounts to acceptable advertising. I think for me, the line is basically... To keep things very generic, you can offer your service, but you can't say we are the best law firm in the country, although some firms actually do. Um, you can't say we are better than any other firm. You can say uh, I'm Gilad Cohen and I do anti-nuptial contracts, I do commercial litigation, I, I'm a notary, um, but that's it. It's got to be very vanilla and very bland. Are you a notary? Yes. And that is a different paper to write altogether? Yeah, it's an extra exam. You find that a lot of attorneys aren't notaries. What is the difference between a notary and a, and a commission of oaths? A uh, notary is quite a strange exam. It's quite a difficult paper to write and pass. 
I think it's probably got about a 20% pass rate. Um, the difference is that a notary is a very important official who witnesses people signing documents and certifies documents as true copies. The difference is that it's for use overseas. Okay. That's, that's the main distinction. So a notary public has got international recognition, whereas the South African Commissioner of Oaths, which could be a layman who works for an organization, has received that status. In fact, all policemen are commissioner of oaths. When I was a military policeman, I was a commissioner of oaths. Is just to be able to swear to a statement or a document that's in front of you for local use. Correct. And and a notary, yeah, and, and the word of a notary is a very strong word. It's I've heard people describe it as a commissioner of oaths on steroids. And tell me, do we use the term notary public in South Africa or is it just notary? Yeah, we use the term notary public. And it's bizarre that a lot of people are unaware that there is a stronger stamp available from an attorney that's done a paper than that of a commissioner of oaths. And that if you do need something notarized for international use, it can only be done by somebody that's written a specific exam. Has the education of attorneys and advocates and the papers they write changed at all the introduction of this new um, act and the, and the Legal Practice Council? It's completely up in the air. Uh, we don't know who's now going to be responsible for training attorneys and for training advocates. And there, I don't know if you saw what happened, which was absolutely scandalous. All of the board exam papers were leaked uh, when it was written most recently, I think in August. Every single paper was leaked. So every candidate attorney that went to write their board exams, they had to rewrite them in October. Absolutely horrendous. Gilad, we know you're a notary. What else do you do? What can, can you do to help our clients and our listeners? Okay, well, I do a range of services. I guess you can call me a general practitioner. Um, I work as a notary, as we've already discussed. I do court work, uh, which would involve commercial litigation and family law. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty succinct. Um, and are you allowed to give us your contact details? Yeah, sure. I think I can. I can just Go. maybe refer you to my website. Yes. It's www www.gcattorneys.co.za Yep, come along, have a look at what I do um, and send me an email if you need any assistance. Gilad, thank you so much for your time. Um, To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. The Legal Practice Council came into effect last week on the 1st. It has far-reaching effects. If you want advice on it, you can Google it. You can go to the Legal um, Practice Council's website. If you need specific advice on a legal matter um, that you believe Gilad can assist you on, it's gcattorneys.co.za. Gilad, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Chad.